0: And Welcome to the 30th episode, that's kind of so weird to say, episode of right? the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. I'm your host, Jill, and I am here with Adam. Hi, Adam. Hi, Jill. How you doing? Good. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. I love that our little science project is continuing to grow. Hi. We're at 30 episodes. Library
0: science project. Library oh. science project.
1: <laughs> All right. We didn't take too long before we started cracking up. That's right. It's Yeah, It's I'm doing great. I Good. can't complain.
0: So tell us about today's
1: episode. Sure. Today's episode is an interview with author Gene Gant. He writes a lot of LGBT titles. Uh, we thought that this would be a nice time to have this come out because June was Pride Month. Uh, and originally we were going to have this title or sorry, this interview come out during Pride Month. But the more we thought about it, we thought maybe it was really important to have this conversation come out after Pride Month, to really emphasize the fact that libraries can be promoting this really fantastic content uh, year-round. And go, go ahead. You're, Absolutely. You say. Yeah, no,
0: I think, um, yeah, these, you know, it's Pride Month and for the LGBTQIA. So the books are really important to them, especially if they're young and sort of discovering themselves. And for our library partners, if you have a good collection of these, it would make an excellent curated collection on your, your Overdrive site because you're patrons who are, you know, maybe uncomfortable taking these books out in person in the library can just do it right on their Overdrive app and mm-hmm. nobody has to know.
1: Yeah, it's a really, like Jillian make a really good, pre- really good point, you know, the the privacy of having that content on any device is something that people really look forward to. Especially, you know, young readers who are, you know, maybe struggling with coming to terms with however they feel about mm-hmm. themselves. It's wonderful, A, for them to be able to find content really easily on your site that, is featuring, you know, young men and young women who might have the same feelings that they do and might look at themselves the same way that, that they are. So being able to promote that content right up front and then let them have the privacy of reading it. Uh, again, not just during Pride Month, but 24-7 any time of the year is a really important thing. Uh, we've talked to, to a number of li- of authors, including Gene, who are really big in the you know, We Need Diverse Books movement. Mm-hmm. And again, these titles align really well with those. So he had a really uh a great point of view and a lot of really great insights and it was a really nice conversation. So I think people will will really enjoy it.
0: Excellent. Anything else our listeners should know? Um
1: no as always you can reach us on Facebook and Twitter and you can email the two of us at feedback at overdrive.com. We read every single one of those. Uh, we try to respond to every single one and then we love also featuring some of those on in our intros of the podcast. So um, keep all that good stuff coming. We really appreciate it. We love all the feedback that we get. And yeah, that's about it.
0: Sounds good. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Adam from Team Overdrive. And today I am joined by Gene Gamp, a YA author whose adult novella Bender releases on June 16th. Gene's young adult novels include The Thunder in His Head, The Battle for Jericho, Everything We Shut Our Eyes To, Lessons on Destroying the World, If You Really Love Me, The Supernaturals, Always Leaving, and Lucky Linus. Gene, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us today.
2: It's wonderful to be with you.
1: So growing up, one of the first questions I love to ask all of the the authors that I speak with, um, did you always aspire to be a writer? Was this always kind of your goal as you were growing up throughout school?
2: It was. I've always loved books. Um, I've always loved reading, and as a outgrowth of that, I guess I wanted to become a writer.
1: And so, when you, you know, kind of graduated and, and finished up your studies, did you start working on getting works published right away, or before you were kind of a, a full-time author? Was there a, a job that you were doing before this? I, I think I saw that you did some ghostwriting before you actually published your own works. Is that correct?
2: Uh, yes, I've always written. I started um, pretty much in elementary school, um, and I did do ghostwriting even after I graduated from college, and I uh, started working with the state of Tennessee, and then I moved into uh, private industry and worked there for a while. But even during all that, I was constantly writing.
1: And so, I think I saw that you had a few manuscripts that you you wrote before you actually decided to try and get one published. So, uh, was there a reason that you you were working on, on several different manuscripts before you, you tried to get one published? Or was it just sort of honing your craft as you worked towards one that you felt was ready to be shared?
2: It was more of a honing my craft uh, type of thing, Um, I, of course, let different people read my uh, things and uh, got critiques on them and stuff, and um, I trusted the people uh, who were reading these uh, works of mine, and I got some good feedback, and from that, I knew that some of this just wasn't quite ready for prime time yet, so it took some polishing. And some of those manuscripts uh, that I sort of passed over then, I, you know, worked on again later and polished and some of them have seen the light of day now.
1: And so when you did have your first book published, can you just, you know, share what that felt like, what that experience was like for you as as a first-time published writer?
2: Oh, it was Heather. I felt, I just felt happy that I finally had something out there that I could share with people that I could reach out to and uh, let them see a little bit of what was going on in my head, and it was just great to have it out there.
1: Mm-hmm. And so I think I, I saw this, and, and you talked about having these manuscripts that you wrote um, that you've not, you've recently you know has since gone back to. Are you the type of writer, I know I've spoke with a few people who they love to write something, you know, whether it's a whole manuscript or, you know, the first 60 pages or something like that, and then they'll immediately look back at what they've written, you know, a day after they've written it and decide if they want to make changes or things like that. And then I've spoken with some other ones who like to step away for, you know, even months at a time and kind of clear their head. Um, What is your writing process like when it comes to to writing and then doing some editing?
2: I get a lot of story ideas, and some of them, when they pop into my head, I immediately start working on them. I'm not the kind of person who outlines and uh, works his story through to the end uh, on paper before I actually start writing, uh, because sometimes that... Uh, I'll get a character in my head and it's so compelling that he or she will uh, just start living mm-hmm. before I can actually, you know, work out all of the uh, plot details and things. Um, and doing that, um, I will sometimes reach a point where I'll get writer's block and I just can't go forward with that particular project. So I'll go and I'll start something else. So even now, at this point, I have three different uh, stories that I'm working on. And two of them I have hit sort of a block on. So I'm working pretty much on just one project now.
0: And when
1: you kind of go through writer's block, as you said, you're able to kind of step away and start working on something else. If you ever have one of those days where you just can't... (laughs) focus on writing at all, uh, how do you kind of step away from that? How do you clear your head? Is it going for walks or um, enjoying time with family? Do you have kind of a, a go-to way to to clear your brain when you do have those writer's blocks?
2: Yes, and that is to get away from writing and reading completely. I will go do a movie. I will go hang out with friends. I'll call my sister and have a fun, funny conversation. <laughs> and... That allows me to regroup, to sort of pull myself together, and then I uh, can come back to it with a, come back to the writing with a fresh perspective.
1: And you seem to write a great deal about young LGBT teens learning to deal with romance and and societal and and family reactions to their relationships. Um, Did these inspirations come from stories of, of your life or, or people that you've seen, or just where do you get the inspiration for these different stories that you're
2: writing? Some of it comes from personal experience. Uh, some of it comes from things that I see in other people. And a lot of it comes just from the simple fact that this is still a society in which LGBT teens just don't simply feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many ways that they are still marginalized, so many ways that they are made to feel other, um, that they don't belong. And just being a teen, of course, is difficult. When you add that on top of it, it really makes it hard to figure out who you are and where you belong in the world. So that's what draws me to uh, LGBT teens and their struggle by themselves.
1: And just to kind of expand on that, I've actually been fortunate enough to talk to a few authors who have come on the podcast, and they've discussed the importance of diversity in books. Uh, a few different writers mentioned that they always want to make sure that every type of child, no matter how they see themselves, should be able to find characters they can relate to. Um, would you mind just touching on, you know, why you feel having diversity in characters is so important in young adult books?
2: I have the simple fact that there are so many different types of teens out there, and there are segments of that uh, population that are just underrepresented. Under, I'm sorry, underrepresented mm-hmm. in literature today. Um, it's still very difficult to find a book about a black agonist, about a Hispanic agonist. Uh, we need more books like that. Um, I do try to focus on diversity when I'm writing, but sometimes a character just comes to me in a certain way, and um, I go with it. Sometimes a character pops into my head who's black. Sometimes it's Hispanic. Sometimes it's white. I just go with it.
1: And I feel like that's a really nice organic way of doing it because of these, these characters that you're writing feel very naturally diverse. And um, I think sometimes it's better just to, to write, you know, what you're feeling as opposed to trying to, you know, almost shoehorn, you know, five different types of, of young children into a, into a title, you know, whether there's one or two, sometimes that, that makes it flow more naturally. And I think you do a really good job uh, of that, of, you know, having these characters be, organically diverse and i I think that that really uh comes through in in your works and for young kids like you said i I think it's so important for someone no matter what background they have to be able to uh, see themselves in the books that they're they're reading um and you know maybe this is just my thoughts but i i tend to feel if you can find yourself in a book then that that's going to help you know if you aspire to be a writer you know it it makes it more uh, acceptable or maybe perhaps easier for, for younger aspiring writers to, to realize that they can write about themselves and, and their experiences as well. Um, so just going through um, a few of, of your works, I've also noticed you tend to have some very strict religious characters in the, in the stories that you write. Did this come from uh, your background as well or up, upre- upbringing that you had as a child?
2: part it did, I grew up in a Southern Baptist home. My parents, my grandparents were all Southern Baptists. They had very strong religious convictions. And I have a sister and a brother who also have strong religious convictions, and I I respect those. But I also see the effect that those convictions can have on someone who is struggling with feelings of uh, being attracted to someone of the same sex. Mm-hmm. And it can, it, it's just another way that uh, this person can become marginalized and dangerously cut off from society uh, at, uh, at large. Um, these are people who are more likely to become suicidal because they, they, just don't see themselves as being good enough to fit in anywhere.
1: And um, is that something, when you were growing up, Did you were you finding books about these types of characters um, available to you, or is that something that you saw a lack of those stories, as we mentioned before, and that was that tended to be that led to your inspiration to write these characters.
2: Um, I saw a lack of uh stories in that particular vein. Um and I also had a concern that um a lot of younger uh, gay boys and girls were buying into this. Um in the church that I attended there were several youngsters who were, uh, and I'm talking about kids who were 12, 11 years old, mm-hmm. um, who were struggling with the idea that there is something wrong with them in the eyes of God because they're having these feelings about a particular boy or a particular girl, and it was just troubling to me. It, it, it's always troubling to me that you have someone who is afraid of who he or she is Um, I think people who are struggling with their identity need to be, they need to have support. They need to feel that they're not alone, that someone understands and that what they're feeling is not wrong, that they are not wrong. So that is one thing that, uh, sort of drove the battle for Jericho. Um, I wanted to give a person who might've found themselves in that position, the opportunity to understand that you can be okay with God, despite what someone else may be telling
1: you. And something else I noticed in, in going through all of the, your collective books is you have a number of titles that do deal with YA romance in very grounded, realistic settings, and then you have books like Supernaturals and Lessons in Destroying the World that are very um, almost sci- science fiction, maybe a fantasy type of a genre um, was this a genre that you always had an interest in? And what, is, what inspired you to, to start writing in that particular genre?
2: I've always loved science fiction and fantasy. Um, I'm not really comfortable writing in those genres, per se, uh, particularly uh, science fiction, because I don't really have a scientific background. Mm-hmm. But um, I do love those uh, Genres and I have stories that um, I want to tell that involve science fiction and fantasy and I just can't really work on them or pull them off uh, as well as I would like to, not right now, but it's something that I'm still working on. Mm -hmm.
1: And do you have, you know, kind of sci-fi or or fantasy books or or series that you... um that you can maybe share that, that you enjoy reading or that maybe inspire you.
2: I love books about uh, well, alien invasion for one thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I enjoyed the uh, Fifth Wave series, yes, by uh, Rick Yancey. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Twilight book series also. Um, those are just two of the uh, uh, series, and I love Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, So, uh, there there are a variety of different uh, series out there that I've gotten into, and I'd like to write some things along those lines, but uh, it'll take me a while to get there.
1: Sure. Uh, So, given that Overdrive is a library company and and we work with libraries every day, um, something that I love asking every author that I speak to is... Do you have a a favorite or a first memory in regards to spending time in a library as a kid?
2: I do. Um, The library was about three miles from the home where I lived when I was a kid. And I would walk there, uh, usually on a Saturday morning, and spend the whole day there. And just walking into the place and the smell and the feel of it would just make me feel as if I'd come home or something. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, that was my introduction to H.G. Wells. Um, I, the first book of his that I read was uh, *War of the Worlds*, and I followed that up with *The Invisible Man* and *The Food of the Gods*, and several Saturdays. That's that's what I would do: just sit there in the library and read his books.
1: Uh, those are <laughs> those are some really good classics to to read as. As a youngster, uh, what were some of the other books that you read growing up that inspired you or that you just remember looking back on fondly?
2: Um, there were some things that were written by an author named uh, John Varley that I liked. Um, they were probably a little bit too mature for me. <laughs> sure. At the time, but I did love them. And uh, uh, I think of his name. Oh, and The uh, Graster. Mm-hmm. Here's another uh, author that I like. Uh, Jim Butcher. Um, his series with... Uh, i trying to think of the characters. <laughs> uh, Dresden. Yes,
1: oh, the Dresden Files, yes.
2: The Dresden Files, yes. I love that series. Uh, but those are a few of the authors that uh, I've read and that I enjoy. Sure.
1: And um, I, I think I saw in a, an interview you did a few years ago, and it, it's something I completely agree with. You, you mentioned that... Uh, in order to become a really good writer, you also have to spend time you know, reading every day, and, and that's one of the, the tricks of the trade is to make sure that you're you're reading and that helps really grow your ability to write. So what are some of the books or authors that you'll read now when you're not spending your time writing?
2: I've uh, gotten back into reading Peter eventually. That I read Jaws uh, a few years ago um, after I'd seen the movie, and I, I enjoyed the book, actually, a lot more than I did the movie. Uh, so he's an author that I've um, started reading uh, just recently. And um, I also love uh, Walter Moses' works. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's an author via uh, uh, Owen, she wrote a book called The Grief of Others. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in the middle of that now. Um, so uh, there, and I'm trying to expand um, because I have a tendency to sort of sort uh, of read the books that um, I have a liking for. Mm -hmm. Science fiction and fantasy. Uh, I'm trying to read more literary fiction. uh, Read more mystery and suspense novel. Just to broaden my horizon. Sure. Um,
1: So when you aren't uh, working on your writing or doing reading, what are some of the things that you like to do uh, to kind of unwind and how do you like to spend your free time?
2: I love just getting together with uh, a bunch of people, family and friends, and playing cards or watching movies. Or uh, sometimes we just get in the backyard and light up the grill and have a barbecue. Uh, but just having time where we're unwinding and laughing and enjoying each other's company—that to me is the best way to re- to relax. Uh, but I do like going to movies, and um, I also like traveling.
1: So I have to ask. I know that you're that you, you live in, in the south, and you mentioned barbecue. And um, so I'm here in Cleveland, and we actually just got a few new kind of high profile barbecue places. So I'm really interested to know what's your favorite kind of barbecue. Like, what's the one thing you want to put on a grill, if you know if you had your choice? It
2: would be a turkey burger. Oh, really? That's interesting. I love, yeah, I love turkey burgers, and there are actually barbecue joints here that. Uh, have started serving them and they do a wonderful job with them. I like the the smoky flavor and the, they spice it up very well so it keeps it interesting. I have a lot of uh, friends who are just turned off by the idea of eating turkey, but <laughs> to me it's great. Yeah. Uh,
1: and so I just have um, one more question for you. Uh, what do you hope readers take away from your books?
2: the readers to take away the idea that we're all in this together, that we should reach out to and support each other, that we don't have to understand and agree with everything our fellows do, but we should be loving and accepting of each other.
1: I think that's incredibly well put. Gene, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us today.
2: Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting
0: Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts. And I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm gonna take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together we're gonna to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.